Thank you, Lord. Gosh. Thank you, Lord. Wow. I think I think God's here. Amen, huh? Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm just going to share for just a few minutes here if you want to turn the in the book of Isaiah chapter 52. We're going to be in Isaiah 52 again. If you weren't here last week, um, we looked at a couple of words that God was speaking to us from Isaiah 52 that we feel like is for our church for the year. And we read the first, I believe it was three verses. You can bring the lights up a little bit more, bring them all the way back up, Bill. Thank you. All right, I can see my Bible now. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so the first first three verses there, we talked about God uh, letting us arise in strength and waking up uh, to shake off uh, the dust, the dust life, the things that were uh, dwelling in that are only earthly, that are not the part of the part of the blessing of God, that are part of the curse. Uh, to rise up, to rise up and sit. Rise up and sit in the place of authority that God has given us. Rise up and sit in the place of rest that God has given us. And uh, we believe that God's going to continue to unpack those things uh, in our lives, to empower us, that there's, gonna, there's empowerment coming. And I want to say this again, there's two parts to empowerment, Lord, at, as a... People were praying over you today. Uh, there's one is the is the receiving is you have to receive something. If you if you need power, if you need to be empowered, you have to you have to receive it. But then you have to use it. You have to use what has been given to you. You have to activate it. You have to by faith say I have I have now been empowered. And uh, many times that's what happens when when we pray and it seems like nothing happens, uh, is God gives us something and then we're waiting for Him to keep doing it. And He says, no, I gave it to you, now now you use it. I, I've given you the power, now take a step of faith with it. Do something that you couldn't do before. Uh, try something, take a risk. Uh, st- you know, step out into the unknown. Um, do something that seems crazy to you. Um, Whatever that may be, whatever that step of faith that God is leading you to, it's sometimes part of the empowerment that God gives you is to say, I've given you the power. It's like when the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, it says they received the power, but then they did something with it. You know? The Holy Spirit came down in Acts chapter 2, and it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Every single person was full of God. And they could have stopped there, right? They could have just said, this is awesome. <laughs> this is amazing. Let's just, let's build a temple here. And this is the new place of worship. And when you come to the upper room, you're going to encounter God and it's going to be amazing. And you just, and we're just going to stay here because we don't want to, we don't want to mess it up. We don't want to go from here. No, it says Peter took a step and he did something. He said, he stood up in front of everybody. It said there was a crowd of thousands that were there. 
And he took a step and said, I'm going to speak and tell you what this is, even though I'm not, I'm experiencing it right now for the first time. I'm going to get up and tell you this. And he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to say, this is what's happening. And he quotes the book of Joel, Joel chapter two and says, this is what God promised. And he explains it in amazing detail, but he had to take the step to say, yes, I'm going to take a step of faith now that I've been empowered. I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to take a step out. I'm going to serve somebody. I'm going to reach out to somebody. I'm going to love somebody. I'm going to, I'm going to take a risk in, in my relationship with God. I'm going to trust that I'm hearing God and, and go with it and see what happens. So when God empowers us, we have to receive, but then we have to walk in the empowerment. We have to, we have to use it. We have to, we have to wear it. As it's, as I said last week, I was talking about the clothes that I don't wear. Uh, you know, I get a nice shirt and I sometimes don't wear it because I don't want to mess it up. And it's like, you know, we, we sometimes get things with God and we're like, we just want to keep it to ourselves. We just want to sit and enjoy it. And that's never, uh, that's heaven. When you get to just sit and enjoy His presence forever, that's heaven. So unless you're dead, (laughs) we're not called to do that. We're called to receive and then release. We're called to receive and then activate. We're called to receive and then risk to, to take a step into the empowerment that we have been clothed with power from on high. Okay, so that's what we said last week, okay? Something like that. So I want to read on a little bit more uh, in Isaiah 52. I think there's, there's two more things that God uh, would like to highlight, I believe, uh, for us. And so we're, gonna, we're just going to read the whole chapter uh, or a whole section of the chapter. I uh, hope you don't mind. It says this, uh, cha- uh, verse 1 of Isaiah 52. Holy Spirit, open the word as, even as we read it out loud right now. Awake, awake, Zion. Clothe yourselves with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Rise up, enthrone Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck. Daughter of Zion, now a captive. The people of God were in captivity when this is written. For this is what the Lord says. You were sold for nothing, and without money you'll be redeemed. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. At first my people went down to Egypt to live, and lately Assyria has oppressed them. And now, what do I have here, declares the Lord. I love how he says it that way. What do I have here? <laughs> what do I have here? <laughs> for my people have, taken, have been taken for nothing, and those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. All day long, my name is constantly blasphemed. In other words, they're saying, look, God's name, you know, they're saying, hey, where is your God? You, this is not real. You're making this up. This is not right. Uh, you're, you're not seeing God do anything. Therefore, my people will know my name. Therefore, in that day, they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. And then this is a famous scripture. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good, t- good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings and proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, you watchmen. Your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. 
for the Lord has comforted his people. Isn't it amazing if we can find ourselves in a place of ruin and despair and discouragement and depression in that instant moment, just as we were just saying, God can turn it into joy. He can just say, I'm just going to come in in the, in the ruined place of your life and you're just going to burst into joy. Rather than sadness, you're going to have joy. And For the Lord has comforted his people. He's redeemed Jerusalem. Verse 10. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart. Go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure. You who carry the articles of the Lord's house. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. And so, it's a powerful scripture. I know there's a lot going on here. We're not going to unpack the whole entire scripture uh, today. We're going to highlight just a couple of sections here and and draw out, I believe, uh, two more words that I believe that God has for us. And the two words are this. Number one is in, found in verse 6. It says, Therefore my people will know my name. Therefore in that day they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. And there's something important here about knowing the name of the Lord. Okay, and this is, we have to understand, this is not like you just meet somebody named Joe and you're like, hey, that's Joe. <laughs> you know, that's how we think. When we, when we say, do you know someone's name? We, in, in our culture, we just mean, do you know to call Brandy, Brandy? That's it. I mean, it's like, that's her first name. That's, how, you know, the first part when she signs her name. But in, in, the, in the Hebrew Jewish culture, knowing someone's name was knowing their character. It was knowing who they are, knowing the the word name there actually is the the Hebrew word Shem, which means name, reputation, fame, or glory, or renown. In other words, when you knew someone's name, you knew everything about them. You knew what defined them. You knew what their, their, their good traits. And if they had bad traits, you would know their bad traits. Uh, God doesn't have those, so we don't know those, right? So, um, and so knowing the name of the Lord is a huge theme uh, in the Old Testament. When Moses shows up and he has the encounter with the burning bush, this is Exodus chapter 3, if you've never read it. In Exodus 3, in that famous encounter with God, it says the burning bush lights up and then God speaks to Moses through the bush. And what does it say? Moses says, who should I say is sending me back to Egypt? And it says, God says, let me tell you my name. Let me tell you who I am. And he says, I am that I am. <laughs> In other words, what's your name? I am. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here. I, I am present. I am I am in the, I'm the past, the present, and the future. I am here right now. Everything that is going on that matters in all creation is, is, is mattering because of me right now. I am. Everything that's happening because of me. And there is a revelation of the divine name of God. And so, um, coming back to Isaiah 52, so it says there's going to be a people who will know my name. In other words, they're not just going to call God and say, oh, God. The word know there is the word yada in Hebrew. And you've probably, you may, if you've been in church, you've probably heard this before. Uh, when Adam and Eve 
were created, it said, Adam yadad Eve, and she became pregnant. So the word know there is an intimate knowledge. The most intimate relationship possible is, is the idea wrapped up partly in the word yada. And so when, when, when Isaiah says, you will know my name, he's not talking about information. He's talking about intimacy. It's not just to inform you and say, this is who God is. Can you just name off the names of God? That, that's great if you can. And there's all kinds of names of God revealed in the Old Testament. But whenever God reveals his name, he's revealing his heart. He's revealing his character. He's revealing his purpose. He's revealing uh, what he will do. When, when Abraham had a son, he was promised a son. And he waited 25 years for God's promise to be revealed in his life. Anybody wait a long time for God to do something? What if he says, wait 25 years? Some of you aren't even 25 yet. <laughs> that's, a long, that's a long time, a 25-year wait. And then he receives the promise, and he has the promise for about 12 years. He finally has his promised son. And then God says in Genesis 22, I want you to go sacrifice the promise on the mountain. He says, take your only son, the son I promised you, and you're going to sacrifice him to me on a hill. Now, that's either a revelation from God or this guy's gone insane and needs to be locked up because he's going to murder somebody. I mean, have you ever thought about that before? I mean, I read this from a, from a, a guy named Soren Kierkegaard, some theologian, that said, look, we don't understand either... Either this is God and this is the right thing to do for Abraham. And we call it in the Christian world sacrifice and passion and, and surrender. But in the world they call this, you know, sadistic and murderous. On the mountain, of course, they go up on the mountain. It says it took Abraham three days on the third day. He gets up there, all those numbers in the Bible that mean something. It's, you know, he gets up on the top of the mountain and he takes a knife and he's got the knife pulled back. And it's not till he pulls back the knife and is about to plunge it into his son's chest that God calls to him from heaven and says, Abraham, wait. And Abraham stops and he says, look, now I know that you're willing to lay your most precious gift from me down to obey me. And it says there that then God revealed what? His name. Part of who he is. It says, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And uh, Abraham's eyes were open and he saw there was a ram stuck in a thicket and the ram was sacrificed instead of, of his son Isaac. And of course it's a picture of the love of Father God being willing to send his son and sacrifice his son and die in the place of somebody else. So there's all that imagery going on. But all in that is there is always a revelation of the name. And so even in the New Testament, I want you to know, if you go to the book of John, over and over and over again, Jesus does two things. When Jesus shows up, he does two things. And one of them is a dead ringer to tell everybody, I'm God. 
I'm the Messiah. There's very few times where Jesus actually uses those words. I mean, he doesn't show up and say, hi, I'm the Messiah. My name's Jesus, Yeshua, Mahamashiach, the Christ, the son of the living God. Nice to meet you. <laughs> he doesn't do that, right? He wanted to draw people in, the people that were seeking him. He was communicating who he was. In the book of John, over and over again, he says, I am. And all the Jewish people would get a hint to say, he keeps saying that over and over again. Why do you keep saying, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am, I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am, I am, I am. Because he's saying, I'm the same one. And even in John chapter 7, it says when, when there was this, this argument going on with the religious people and Jesus is is, is saying, hey, I know about Abraham and all this stuff. And they're like, you're only 30 years old, bro. <laughs> I mean, Abraham, like, that's like 2500 B.C. I mean, they didn't have B.C. yet, but, you know, hey, a long time ago. He, he, how do you know Abraham? And what does Jesus respond? It's very important because they would have known right away. You know why the religious people were so ticked off at him? <laughs> Because he says, before Abraham was, I am. And then it says they rushed at him. We're going to you know, throw him off a hill or whatever it was that time. They're going to kill him. But it wasn't his time yet. So he slips through the crowd. He's, he's able to escape. And so that, that's one thing going on in the New Testament. That Jesus is aligning himself and saying, I am one and the same as the God of the Old Testament, as the I am, the I am, the, the great I am, the one who was doing all the powerful things, the one who delivered you from Egypt, the one who set the captives free, the one who did all the miracles, the one who created all things. I am him. But also Jesus says another thing about his name. He says to all of his people, his disciples, he says, guess what? In my name... You're going to do things. You're going to ask for things. You're going to come to the Father, what? In my name. You're going to, in other words, you're going to, have, you're going to be marked by my name. You're going to, you're going to have, a, have a transformation in your life where you're going to be marked that when you approach the Father, you're going to be approaching in my name. The name of the I Am. There's a scripture that many years ago really, really stuck out to me. And we can put it on the screen here. It's Psalm 9. And verse 10, and it says, those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. I love this verse. I mean, it, it captured my heart years ago. And I think it, it's, this, it's basically saying the same thing as Isaiah 52. Uh, when you know the name of God, when you really know his character, when you are intimately familiar with who he is, you will trust him. You will trust God. You, you will have faith. You won't have to stir up faith. Faith is not meant to be stirred up. It's meant to just come out of a relationship with Jesus. Because I have a relationship with him, I trust him. And so faith flows. I don't have to suddenly, you know, work up faith. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat something over and over again until I have faith. That's not faith. That's a formula. Faith says this. You love me. I love you. I trust what you say. You say this. And so I trust you. I believe you. When someone you dearly love and trust says, 
this is what is on my heart. What, what do you say? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're dumb and you're married. <laughs> Those two things do go together a lot. <laughs> dumb and married. <laughs> don't worry, there's dumb and single too, okay? <laughs> Where was I going with that? Anyway, we... That's not, you, you don't do that. When you, when you have a relationship with somebody, when you have a trust and love relationship with someone, and you're sharing intimate knowledge with each other, I'm not talking about talking about who's taking out the trash or who's picking up the kids or whatever, but I'm talking, you know, this is a real conversation right here where we are sharing intimate conversation, and you say that, and I go, I don't know if I can believe you. Because... When I know someone loves me and I love them, I trust what they say to me when they're saying it from their heart. I I know like, hey, I know you. I will take your word for it. It's interesting how we say that, right? I'll take your word for it. And God's like, hey, guess what? This is is it. I've, I've given you my word. And so those who know the name of the Lord, I believe what that means for us is there is going to be an increase in the knowledge of God in your life. That you're going to get to know him better. That this is a year, we believe this is a year that God is building. He is building. There have been things stripped away and things have to be stripped away and cleared away in order for there to be something fresh built on it. Uh, it's a, word, a powerful word that my wife gave last year. I think it's still resonating. It was kind of stirring prophetically things in our hearts to say, no, I'm building things right now. I, I am, you know, we can look around our world and say, no, everything's falling apart. And God's like, first of all, he's... he's Remember that God laughs at everything that's going on. When, when things are going crazy, it says he laughs at the wicked. You know, when the devil's up to something, that God's like, that's funny, man. <laughs> that's all you got. <laughs> so God is not, he is not really stressed out right now. God, he's not anxious right now. He's not worried. He's not wondering what's going to happen. Right? He, he is really pretty happy. He is excited, he is passionate, he is, he is hopeful, he is full of joy, he is dancing over his creation because of what he is doing. And he's saying, come get to know me. Come get to know me. Because there's no other foundation that we can build on. When Peter... This is my wife's passage, Matthew, what, 16, right? Matthew 16, Jesus comes to the disciples and says, who do people say that I am? Hey, what's the word on the street? Hey, can you, what's the hashtag right now on Jesus? Jesus is blank, you know? What does it say on, you know, what's going on? And so they're like, hey, some say this, some say that, some say this or that, you know, one of the prophets, blah, 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 blah. And then Jesus says, Here's the more important question, but who do you say that I am? It doesn't matter what anybody else is saying. There's all kinds of chatter. The world is full of chatter. Chatter, 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 chatter. Doesn't matter. (laughs) 
Okay. There's all this stuff going. I got it. So I say hashtag, everybody freaks out. Okay. <laughs> Don't check your phone now. Oh, hashtag. <laughs> so there's all this stuff going on. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, oh, man, that's amazing. Sony, you're, or Simon, son of Jonah, you're blessed. For you didn't get that from earth. You got that from heaven. That was revealed to you by God. And I tell you the truth, your name's going to be Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, he used two different words for rock there. So you have to know that Peter is one rock and the other rock is uh, a little bit different word there. And so he's, he's saying, look, uh, he's not saying he's going to build the church on Peter. He's, gonna, he's saying he's going to build the church on the revelation of who Jesus is. And so the building of God cannot happen in our lives without a continued revelation of who Jesus is. You have to get to know Jesus better. You have to be intimately aware with his likes and dislikes. You have to be intimately aware with how he talks, how he feels, what his heart is about. If you're not aware of Jesus and who he is, then you might build on another foundation. You might have something being built that's just earthly. You might be so focused on what's going on earth that you're trying to build a tower. And we all know what happens when you build a tower to heaven is it's confusion. Because we can't get, make our way to that place on our own. It can only be built on a foundation of the knowledge of Jesus. And so anything in your life, I mean, we can, we can try to get good things from God. We can try to have all this stuff happen. But if Jesus isn't at the heart and the center and the foundation of it, if it isn't about knowing the name of the Lord, that I know the name of Yahweh God, the name of Jesus, I know who he is and what he looks like and what he desires and what he wants. And then as I know him, I trust in him. And as I trust in him, I begin to seek him because God has never forsaken those who seek him when you seek and seek with you will find when you seek me with all of your heart jeremiah 29 and 12 and 13 says this jesus said it this way if you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you when you pursue him you will find him you will have a revelation. You will have a knowledge of God. And we will get to know His heart. We will get to know His passion. We will get to know the way He thinks. We will get to see more of His perspective. Because we need that right now more than ever. Don't we need the perspective of God? Man, we've got a hundred different perspectives right now going on in the church world. And a lot of them must be wrong. Not gonna go there, babe. <laughs> but if what they're saying is not happening, I might want to listen to somebody else. I might want to get reconnected to Jesus and allow him to build. Because when I build apart from Jesus, then it's just it's either fleshly or it's Filled with just my soul. Do you remember that old term? Anybody been in church long enough to hear the word a soulish prayer? You all remember? Anybody? 
Who's old here? Okay. <laughs> They're usually, and it, this may be too old. Okay. They used to say, "What? What is a soulish prayer?" You know, what is what is soulish worship? And I think now today, sometimes we have like soulish prophecy. What that is is my own emotions, my own desires, and my own thoughts get mixed in with that prayer, and I say it's a godly prayer, and I say it's a godly worship, and I say it's a godly prophetic word, but it's really just coming from my own heart. It's not birthed from the heart of God. It's soulish. It's not from the spirit of God. Jesus said this, you know, flesh gives birth to flesh, and the spirit gives birth to spirit. And I would say this, and I think it would fit in the context of this. Soul gives birth to soul. I don't want something just simply from my soul unless its ultimate source is from my redeemed spirit where the Holy Spirit is connected in my heart and then it can flow through my desires because it's flowing first through the heart and desire of the heart of God himself and it's not being translated by my own personal opinions, desires, wants, and needs. Does that make sense? And so... When I build something on that, it can be built for a while and it looks like something good sometimes because it's, it's sometimes it's, it's good things. But it's not a God thing. Some good things are not the God thing. I mean, when Jesus was saying, here's the God thing. Right after that, what does Peter do when he has just said, you're the son of the living God, and Jesus says this, hey, I'm about to go, and the, everybody, the religious people are going to arrest me, and then he, I'm going to be killed and crucified. And Peter pulls him away and says, he says, my soul says this, no. My soul doesn't want that. My feelings don't want that. That's not what I want for you, Jesus. That will never happen, God. And, of course, Jesus has to tell him, get behind me, Satan, because the flesh and the soul and the devil are getting in the way of the purposes of God, and he has to go with the Spirit. Because Jesus always did, he was completely full of the Holy Spirit, and he only did what he saw the Father doing. And so we have to allow ourselves to be sometimes be cleansed of those things that we think are the good thing, but they're not the God thing. They're not the, they're not the thing from the very heart of God. And you can make all kinds of applications for this, but I believe that in this season that God is stripping away things that were simply a part of our soul. They were simply a part of our own desires that we wanted. And he's saying, look, you have to set that aside for what's better because you're just building another tower of Babel. And it's not going to reach heaven. It's not going to be enough. It doesn't matter how hard you try without me. That thing is not going to last because it's not built on the foundation of Jesus and knowing him and knowing who he is, that he is the truth, that he is the way, that he is the only life. And everything that matters flows through him. So those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken 
those who seek you. I don't think we're getting to the second one. (laughs) My wife is saying, yes. So what does that mean for your life? What does that mean for you? That means God is saying this. Take a chance. Take a chance. Do draw near me like you've never drawn near me before. See what happens. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of giving up to know me? Why, why are you so concerned about this back here in the past when the future is, is, is in me? I've, I've got everything here for you. We have to be like Peter when he says, you know, Jesus, you alone have the words of life. To whom else can we go? Who else am I going to go to if I don't go to Jesus? He is stripping everything else that we could go to away and saying, you must come to me alone. Because if you build on another foundation, it's not going to last. And as the people of God get to know the name of God, what happens in that verse 7? It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. When I really know Jesus, I can really express the good news of Jesus. And it's normal. It's natural. It's not forced. I don't have to feel like, I need to do this. I need to do this. I better be a good Christian, right? <laughs> we do all the good stuff, right? I need to do the thing. I need to do the right thing. You don't have to do... When, when you love somebody and know somebody, you do the right thing because you love them. Because love drives you. Love is a much greater motivator than guilt or shame or obligation or religious tradition or rules. It doesn't last. Those things work. They can work a little bit, but love will drive you to go the extra mile. And when you fall in love with Jesus and get to know even better his love for you, you will begin to lay things aside. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my word. You will obey me. It's not an obedience problem, it's a love problem. The love problem will fix the obedience problem. We get to get to know Jesus. What a promise from God is saying this year, you're going to have a revelation of who I am. But we're going to have to lay down anything that's a part of our own souls. It's just my desire that says, okay, maybe God, this is just all of, this is what I want. But this is not you. So I want us to, let's, let's just stand and pray. Let's just respond to God for just a minute here. Thank you, Lord, for the word. We thank you for the holy word of God. We thank you for the true word of God. We thank you for truth. We just welcome you right now, Holy Spirit. We, Lord, if there's anything in us where we've gotten trapped in being soulish, where we've gotten trapped, where we're just following our emotions, our own desires, our own wants, our own needs, and we're, we're putting your name on it. We're saying, this is what God is saying. God, we repent. We confess that that's not you, that that's me. And we, we confess that we need you, O oh Lord. We need to know you better. We've chosen to just get to know you a little bit. And just get a little bit of a 
encouragement, just get a little bit of a quick fix. Lord, just get a religious shot sometimes, Lord, just to, just to make it through a short time. God, help us not be addicted to just a religious shot, Lord, just a little tidbit, just a, a bite of who you are. Let us truly taste and see and just enjoy the, the, the bountiful harvest and the great abundance of knowing you. I just declare to every heart that every heart would be open in the name of Jesus. I speak to every heart. And I say, open up to the love of God. Open up to relationship with God. Open up to the knowledge of God. Intimate knowledge with you, God. I thank you for relationship with you, God, like never before this year that we're going to get to know you. Lord, that we're going to lay aside the things that aren't you. We're going to lay aside the things that we don't need to have in our lives. Lord, we don't have to have a, somebody pounding on us from... from Preaching a message, God, that would say, you need to stop doing that. God, we don't, we don't, we just, we're just going to let things go because we're like, no, I got you now. I'm letting that go. I don't even want it anymore. I don't, I don't have to have that anymore. It doesn't have a hold on my heart anymore. You've got a hold of my heart, Lord. You've got our hearts, and I think ultimately maybe that's what you want, God, is you're just saying, I want all of you. I want your whole heart. I want everything that you can give. I want it all. Don't hold back. Don't hold back from me, says the Lord. Don't hold back. Don't fear anymore. Don't hide in shame anymore. Don't, don't let guilt and, and the chains of the past hold you back from running into who I am and experiencing the fullness of knowing me. We invite you to do that across your, your body, God, across this nation, across this world. Reveal yourself, God. If we get to know your heart, Lord, there's going to be beautiful things that happen. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, God. When we've got, when we've got the love of God in our hearts and the knowledge of God and the intimacy with you, Father, that there's going to be good, beautiful good things being released. In a time when everybody needs, wants to see something amazing and something beautiful and something peaceful and something good, we have the answer. And we don't have to, we don't have to work our way up to it, God. We're just going to be there because we're already walking with you. We're already listening to you. We're already sharing with you our lives. And you're sharing your life with us. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you that you're leading us to that place. We thank you that deep within our hearts, those of us that know you, we're crying, Abba, Father. We're getting to know you better and better. Daddy God. And we thank you for that. And we just invite you to continue to speak to us in this coming year. In Jesus' name, amen. If you still need prayer, please come on up. If you've never given your heart to Jesus or you need, still need healing in your body, if you didn't get prayed for earlier and you want prayer now, several of our leaders will be up here for just a few minutes. Um, and we also encourage you, if, if you're going to stay, uh, we encourage everybody to stay. Head down the hall for lunch and we'll share in that meal together um, and enjoy a great time as a family. Also, for those of you who need to not be around so many close people, you can go ahead and head down. We'll go ahead and respect those who need to social distance for health reasons or preference. Uh, so if that's you and you're staying for lunch, you guys can go ahead and head down there and the rest of us will make.